literally the softest, like mentally the softest, just total softest. Justin, what is the worst quarterback you've ever seen? Oh, um, wait, wait, wait. We're restricting this to uh, we're restricting this to pros, right? Yeah, I think we should restrict this to pros. <laughs> um, Jesus, way to put me on the spot here, guys. Good morning. Yeah, yeah good morning. Justin Pelletier, sports editor of the Boston Herald, joins yeah. us this morning. Jump hey, right in. Jump yeah, right in. Jump right in. You know. <laughs> Uh, I, I, you know, I, I'd have to think about this a second because I've seen a lot of bad quarterbacks. Everybody's seen a lot of soft quarterbacks. You know, it, it's, it's, you know, you tend to only remember and romanticize the ones that, that were good. Um, I, I don't know that I could name, you know, from, even from the nineties, you know, of course you're going to name Marino and you're going to name Sims and you're going to name Aikman and you're going to, you know, you're going to name the guys that, that were good. Right. I mean, and, and to go even a little bit, even a, a touch further back than that, maybe, you know, Asiasen or, or Kozar, or, you, know, you name the guys that you remember because they were memorable. Right. The, the guys that were terrible, you don't remember. No, you try to block those out of your mind completely, <laughs> right? Like, you know? I mean, it, it, it's, it's crazy, you know, but, um, you know, do you, do you think anybody's going to remember uh, 20 years from now, say, hey, who's a bad quarterback you saw? Is anybody going to name Kate McNown? You know, I, mean, I, I bet people, a lot of people probably forgotten about Cade McNown, or they've forgotten <laughs> about Rohan Davey. That's or, what I mean. Yeah. That's what I mean, though. I mean, you tend to block out the guys that, that aren't any good. Well, it doesn't have to be just the terrible guys. I'm not talking about the Nathan Petermans of the world, you know, the one-off, two-off starts where they were just so bad, it's unbelievable. I'm talking about guys that were starters on teams that were like Hung bad. Around. Like, I like to call them, we, we could give it, we could call, it would be the Blake Bortles Memorial Award, right? Like, you know, he, he's he's the starter on a team that is a Super Bowl contender or was allegedly a Super Bowl contender, but he, he's bad. He's not great. He's He can win with a solid game plan, but he's not going to win a game, you know, uh, for you. E- even when, e- even against a defense like the Patriots last year in the NFC title game. You know, I, Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you, though, some teams have won Super Bowls with quarterbacks like that. They sure have. Chan Dilfer. Chan yeah. I mean, how about Rich Gannon? Rich Gannon was a good quarterback, but I mean, they really had to adjust the game plan to him to uh, to get him to that well, Super Bowl. You know, Super Bowl winning quarterbacks that had no business being Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, Dougie Williams. Oh, yeah, Doug, Doug Williams was yeah. a, was a guy that was totally uh, totally amazing, and he lit, he had the hottest second quarter in the history of time. Hundred percent. Yeah, Jim well, McMahon. Jim McMahon Williams. wasn't a great quarterback you either. Talk to him about in the pantheon of. of of, of great Super Bowl winning quarterbacks? Of course not. Yeah, J- Jim McMahon. How about, look at where, it depends on where they are too, when, uh, oh God, now I lost his name. The, the guy went from us to Oakland and won a couple of Jim games. Plunkett. Jim Plunkett. He couldn't do anything in Boston. There ain't that, sure. nothing around him. He looked great in Oakland though. He looked good against the Eagles. Sure, sure did. Ron Jaworski. <laughs> Man, those are some teams. Those are some teams. Those are some teams. I, I don't know. That's a good. That's a good one. So, have they stopped celebrating in Boston yet, or what? Uh, well, they did, first of all, the Red Sox were celebrating on the road. Yes, yeah. true. Um, as far as the, the people are concerned, it, it seems like it. I mean, like it was normal this morning. So, uh, I'm assuming the uh, everybody that was going to work uh, still showed up at work. Um, it helped that yesterday's game finished before midnight instead of almost two hours after midnight. <laughs> Boy, they still pushed good point. It. They still pushed it to try to get it after midnight. Oh, they tried. I, I, you know what's funny is, is that I knew better to think this, but I'm sitting there thinking deadline purposes, right? Because I'm a sports editor, so I think in deadline. I don't right, know yeah. Win or loss. 
I think, in deadline. And I'm, I'm looking at it, and it was just before 10 o'clock. And the game was where it was at that point. And I'm thinking, holy smokes, this is going great. And as soon as I said that, you know, the, the everything. You know like better that. than that. You know well, better I than to do that. Out loud, and even if I had only the, the, uh, the dust bunnies under my couch would have heard me because I was alone in my, in my, in my apartment. But still, you know, like, <laughs> um, it's it's you you root for you root for shorter games in my position, but you know it was all things considered. I think it was, was it the shortest. I think last night was the shortest game in the ALCS in terms of time played, which is scary because that like, three thirty was it three thirty yeah three thirty seven three thirty something wow. like that and it still dragged you know oh like, it, it felt like it dragged you know it's funny the, the game went the night before um, the game went until. 120 whatever it was in the morning. And I was more glued to that and riveted with that game than I was the one that and that went almost five hours. And I was more glued to and riveted by that game than I was last night. Well, that game was the game that never ended. You know, that was that was full on. Because things were happening. There right. Was actual action. Yep. You know, things, it didn't end because people were getting hits. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're doing things and playing well defensively. And, you know, last night was just, it was a very mundane, overall mundane game. Justin, we said, though. Justin, we said Major League Baseball, though. They've got a, a game on the West Coast and a game on the, in Central Time Zone. What do they do? They, they play the, the West Coast game in the afternoon, and they play <laughs> the Central game starting at 8.20. What? This crazy Switch them around, it would have been... The the Red Red Sox fans um, have made that happen, I think, because overall, and and you're going to hear me say this, but it's the reality is that the Red Sox overall have almost as ubiquitous a fan base in terms of regional regional appeal as the Yankees do. You know, there there are, just like the Yankees, there are Red Sox fans on every coast and in every time zone, way more so than either of the NL teams. You know there are not there are not as many East Coast Dodgers fans as there are West Coast Red Sox fans, and so when a TV network looks at that, they're going to look for mass appeal in prime time over sure. otherwise making sense in terms of what coast you're on versus what time you're playing, and so they're going to look to maximize their their money. And advertisers from both coasts would rather the Red Sox be in prime time than the Brewers. Justin, my daughter has an, a theory on that. By the way, she says that because. There are 20 colleges right around the Boston area. I mean, you can almost throw a rock at them all. Sure. There's so many kids that went to school and, and, and for four years lived being New England fans in every sport, but especially the Red Sox, uh, and now they move back home somewhere or get a job you know, in, in Montana. They're, they're still Red right. Sox no, fans. That, that, that's, certainly, that's certainly a big part of it, no, no doubt. And then the other part of it is, there are so many people from the Northeast who become snowbirds, right? On, on the other side of that, there's the, the you know, 60, 50, 60, and 70-somethings who leave the Northeast because of the weather and go to warmer climes, whether it's Arizona, Florida, SoCal, or anywhere else, the yeah. Carolinas. Um, that's a big part of it also. That's why you see, you see a ton of Detroit Tigers fans in Florida. Whenever I go down there, <laughs> it's funny. You know, whenever I go down to, uh, to Florida to visit my in-laws in the wintertime, you know they're in a park. They're Red Sox. They're diehard Red Sox fans living in Florida, right? And and the park is filled with New York Giants fans. It's filled with Tigers and Twins 
and Red Sox because those are the teams from the north that, that have purchased property and have retired elsewhere. And Arizona is very similar to that. There's a lot of, you know, uh, relocated northerners from that, that represent many different teams from the northeast or the north, and it's just the way it happens. Talking with Justin Pelletier, sports editor of the Boston Herald. Boy, Kevin Duffy did a good piece on uh, Bill Belichick and some of his team building exercises that he came up with this year. That was uh, that was interesting to see uh, breaking uh, breaking guys off into nine uh, kind of nine teams and getting to know each other and stuff like that. It's, it's weird. I thought everybody hated Belichick. You know, I, that was strange. It's a weird story. You know, it's it's it, it's funny. The, the 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 people that tend to hate Bill Belichick are those that didn't want to listen and follow along. Um, because they feel like they're either bigger than the team or bigger than the game. That's that's the way I've kind of read it over the years. Um, he knows what he's doing. You know, Belichick knows what he's doing. He knows that this team, especially early in the season, now things are certainly clicking better for the Patriots now than they were, you know, uh, four weeks ago. <laughs> no doubt. Um, but, you know, one of the biggest things that this team and, and all Patriots teams really have relied on has been the chemistry, and to, you've got to develop that among everybody because they're not going to have the superstars. They're not going to have um, all the biggest, necessarily, names, Randy Mo- the Randy Moss years uh, excluded, but they're going to have to learn to play well and play well together, both on defense and on offense, and to do something like that was, is a very big part of, of what they do. Talking with Justin Pelletier from the Boston Herald. Justin, did you see? Have you had a chance to see the the uh, Bruins play at all? I have. I've been to, I've been to two get two of the home games out of the four, and uh, um, and kind of following them. I, I actually kind of felt badly. I, I was going to bring this up. I, I felt badly for them last night. You know, the Red Sox. The Red Sox early overnight ratings um, got something like a twenty five or a twenty seven share in the Boston market. The Bruins last night in the Boston market. Zero point eight. <laughs> oh my God! Well, I mean, yeah. Right now, it's, it's, it, they're a victim right now of the Patriots being, and and make no mistake, I'll, I'll be honest with you, make no mistake. If you look at the national numbers, even the national numbers last night, the Red Sox and the Astros were up against a, a Thursday night football matchup that had one win between the two teams, right? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and. And the numbers were close nationally. <laughs> they were, and that was a one-sided bad oh, game, yeah. forty-five too. to ten. And the numbers and the numbers were close. Football overall in the United States, and even here in Boston, this is a Patriots city. Yes. On that Sunday night, this past week, where the Patriots were going up against the Red Sox in prime time, the Patriots outdrew the Red Sox in viewership, and the, the Red Sox are in the playoffs. And the Patriots were playing, okay, granted, in arguably one of the best teams in the league and in a, in a vital game, but it was a regular season game in Week 6. And the Red Sox are playing for a chance to go to the World Series, and the Patriots outdrew them. Yeah, 4-1. to, four to one. Boston has become. Boston has become, because of the team's success over the last 17 years, Boston has become a Patriots first, Red Sox second town, Boston's kind of hanging on in fourth, and part of that's the winning. I discussed this, I don't know if it was with you all last week or, or somebody else, but 
the Bruins now, while their championship was most more recent than the Celtics, the potential for the next championship is far below the other three sports, and that is a part of, of people here and how they go through and, and follow their teams. And unless you're a diehard Bruins fan, you're not thinking that they're going to win the Stanley Cup this year. Even if you are a diehard Bruins fan, you're probably not thinking they're going to win the Stanley Cup this year. But the Celtics, they sure as heck could win a, a league title. The Red Sox are four wins away from winning another title. The Patriots, until somebody proves otherwise, are going to be the prohibitive favorite to win the AFC and win a league title. So the Bruins are kind of being an afterthought at the moment. They really are. And that's usually, it, doesn't that usually happen with the Bruins? This is why I'm not surprised. And this is why I think people in Boston making this a media story, mainly sports talk radio down there, making that a media story, which is really, to me, it's just a way to get at the hockey guys for whatever reason that they've decided to do. Um, it, it seems silly to me that that's even a story right now. It should make sense, right? It should totally make sense that the Boston Bruins playing at 930 on a Wednesday and nine o'clock on a Thursday, uh, lined up against Thursday Night Football on Thursday and the Red Sox Game 5 and lined up against the Red Sox Game 4 on Wednesday are going to have down ratings as opposed to that. Well, I mean, it's silliness. And, and wait, until, wait until the 10.30 start on Saturday. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even though you're not going against anything. Yeah, but it's a Saturday. You're going against Saturday. That is the problem. You're going against Saturday on Saturday, right? Well, you're, 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 going, you're going against it's 10.30 p.m. on Saturday. You know, anybody who's awake isn't in front of their TV. Well, we're already exhausted from the from Yeah, you're already the, worn the out from not being able to do anything all week anyways. Like, I'm already a miserable SOB on the regular. You I'm, don't need me without... I know, this is shocking news. You don't need me without sleep being an SOB. You know what I mean? Like, you just... You don't need that. To, to, to your point, the Bruins are... They're, they're still young, you know, and, and that's what I, I stressed to you the last time I talked to you about this is, you know, they were ahead of schedule last year. They're still kind of sort of ahead of schedule in terms of the expectations. They have right now probably one of the top two lines in all of hockey um, with that top line of, of Bergeron and Pasternak uh, at, at the top, right? They have, they have probably uh, – and Marchand. That's, the, that's one of the top two or three lines in all of hockey. Um, the Krejci line is starting to produce depending on who's been put with him. But really they don't have established depth yet. And so – they're going to see, they're going to be streaky. You saw them lose the first one in a spectacular fashion. The next four they played were against teams that may or may not be playoff contenders. And so they won those games because they were supposed to win those games. Tough West Coast road trip, they're having a little bit more of a struggle. You know, and that's, that's going to happen with this team. And, and the fun for this team is going to be watching how the young guys, the Curleys, the Heinens, the Donatos, how those guys develop and you're going to see whether or not these guys are going to be the next pieces or if they're going to have to, you know, tweak again. Talking with Justin Pelletier, the sports editor of the Boston Herald. So I assume uh, Red, Red Sox World Series starts Tuesday, regardless of who they play, whether it's the Brewers or the Dodgers. So I assume you're going to have some stuff on that. And, of course, the Patriots have a rather big game this weekend. Also, can we... Well, you know what I really has been missed out on? I've seen all sorts of highlights of previous Bears-Patriots games, but you know what I haven't seen? The absolute beatdown the 1988 Patriots put on the on the Bears when Doug Flutie found Irving Fryer for an 80-yard touchdown pass on the first play from scrimmage. I've not seen any of those highlights yet. I want an oral history of that like 88 that. game. That's I like what that. I would like to see. 
Um, I would love to see love to see that and hear that because at that time I wasn't paying attention to football. Right, um, and Doug Flutie was the starter, so this gives anybody a reason to talk to Doug Flutie, which I think is is everybody loves Doug Flutie, you know? Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, everybody here definitely does. I mean, he's 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 in your dog status in, in Boston still. So, um, you know, regardless, uh, you know, that he went to play in Canada, regardless that he, you know, played for the Bills, right? What? You know, um, but you know, people love him here, so um, you know that's. There's no doubt that, that people would, would eat that up. No, I uh, I agree. That was that was one of the greatest sports things ever. Nobody ever talks about it because it was you know just kind of when you go back at the time it was just a regular regular season game. I just remember it was thirty to seven, and I'm like, man, you could have done that like two years ago. The teams were obviously a little bit different at that point in '88. They're a little bit little bit different. And Doug Flutie at that point was still a better quarterback than Tony Eason ever was. Of course, you can get Justin Pelletier. You can find him on Twitter, jpel915. And of course, the Boston Herald have all sorts of World Series coverage, coverage of the Patriots this weekend, Celtics in action tonight. Jason Tatum's already said he's looking forward to playing against the uh, the best two-way player in the NBA as Kawhi Leonard and the Toronto Raptors host the Celtics tonight. So that'll be a big matchup and uh, Bruins in action as well as they continue their Western Canada road trip. Go to bostonherald.com and hit the sports section for that and they'll keep you covered. Justin, always good to talk to you, my friend. Always good to talk to you guys, and uh, we'll do it again soon. All right, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. That's Justin Pelletier. He's the sports editor from the Boston Herald. This is the B-List Daily from the Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios across the NBR Radio Network on the new 105.5 Sports, 105.5 FM in L.A., AM 1240 in L.A., and AM 780 in Rumford.